and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Amen. Beautiful people this morning. Come on. Yes. Worship was amazing. Um, I'm not going to ask who's on the fast because I don't want you to like give up your reward now. But come on, this fast has been pretty amazing, right? Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> um, for me and my, my family, we have a saying um, that you don't have to be hungry to eat. Amen? Amen. So fasting for me is uh, it's a trip. It's a trip. Um, I have really learned what hunger is in this last week. Amen? I like, because I, I, my wife knows this, I can be really picky about food. Really picky. Um, and she calls me like uh, bougie with food because I just, I don't want chicken and rice, okay? You, you do a couple more things, you have fried rice with chicken. It's better, elevated, okay? I don't want simple. Throw that crock pot out. That's lazy cooking, okay? Put some effort. It's what the grandmas used to call love. You knew wives need to get a hold of So, Anyways. Wow. Um, <laughs> so sometimes... Pastor Tyler will be hungry because I'll go in there. And I'm like, I just don't want to cook because it's all going to taste not because my fast. I'm basically eating everything that I hate and nothing that I like. So I've learned to be content just eating an apple or an orange or a banana for like lunch and breakfast, which is, hey, I'm joining you in your suffering, Lord. I hope you hear it. Um, but I have <laughs> what I've realized is really sad to say that in the last year, because every year I, I, I do this fast. In the last year, I really have never been hungry. I've just been at different levels of full you get, or satisfied. You know what I mean? Like dinner rolls around. I'm like, well, I'm hungry. But I realize now I was not hungry. I was just kind of like already a little bit full. And I just kind of pile it on top of that. Anybody else with me? Nobody? Okay. I'm the only one dealing with gluttony, boo. Can you pray for me after the service? Um, my stomach hasn't rumbled from hunger in like a year. Okay. But it's been rumbling this week. And one of the things the Lord showed me was that hunger actually looks like something. Like you can actually hear hunger. <laughs> My stomach is proof of that. Um, you can taste hunger. Like anybody get that bad taste in your mouth when you're really, really hungry? When you're just like, oh, you look at your pantry. Like, I, don't, I do not want you. And you're just so dissatisfied because hunger looks like it feels like something. Hunger is something that is not just out there that like you can't really see or touch or experience. Hunger actually looks like something. And this week I was I was praying about what I wanted to speak about. And the Lord was talking to me about this. I was like, yes, I want to speak about hunger. I want to speak about hunger. And I know sometimes when we talk about this, we say we, we get in our minds because we've been taught things like it doesn't have to look like all that. Right. It doesn't have to look like all that. Like that's that's too much. It is it, like like Pastor Gio was talking about. You need to tone down like it doesn't need all of that stuff. And what it reminds me of when people talk like this, um, I'm from a I'm from a country town. And if this offends any husband in the room, just go home and pray about it. Uh, but so like <laughs> this is really typical from a, from a town I'm from. You would you see this new married couple and the husband would just be in love with his wife, like fawning over her, writing her love letters, like making her things, doing all this stuff. You remember when that was you? Hopefully you were there one point in your life, remarriage. Um, like they're just whatever. And you had this old, in my context, no offense, country guy or somebody who's just like, you know, my wife knows I love her because I put food on the table. I put a roof over her head. I told her I love her on our, med, our wedding day. And she knows I, I ain't got to say anything. And it sounds kind of good, but then you oftentimes you look at the wife and her face tells a different story. Her face tells a different story. And I wonder sometimes in our context, if the Lord feels like the wife in that instance, I come to church, I give in tithes. Like I even served that one day at the church work day. I don't, he knows I love him. I don't need to, it doesn't need to look like all that. And the Lord said, I wish it would to you. Sometimes when we convince ourselves of lies to make ourselves feel better where we are, instead of actually approaching him and saying, Lord, what's your heart saying? What do you need? Because this is not about you. You're not David. I love that. You're not David. You're the Israelites scared standing behind him. The Lord is our one is one who goes out. He's the one who's been anointed to break the yoke. Come on. 
It doesn't need to look like all that. Sometimes it does. Hunger needs to look like something. Sometimes, I know this, this thing sounds like works, and we get really bent out of shape. I have too. I went through a season of like, I don't want to do works. I don't want to do, you're, you're talking about striving and stuff. And I was talking to Pastor Marcus yesterday, I think at lunch, and we were talking and I was, I was the Lord had given me this, that works, we got we to get out of this whole thing about works being bad. Okay, because James says, I will show you my faith by my works. So what is he talking about? He's saying, imagine your life is like a car. Your life is like a car. The, your faith and your walk with the Lord, the healthiness of it, is the car engine. The works are just the cluster gauge that you look at. Works don't produce your faith. Works are an indication of where your faith is at. And so if you're not seeing any works in your life, like good, like prayer, a desire to be with the Lord, like whatever, I'm not going to go on the list. You know what I'm talking about. If you're not seeing that, it's not that. And sometimes we get bent out of shape. We're like, well, I'll just do more works. The Lord says, no, fix the engine first. If you can fix the engine, then the works will come. And so I was like, I want to talk about hunger, Lord. I want to talk about hunger. I want to go after. I want to be a rah-rah message. Like, I don't ever get to do that. And the Lord says, no, we got to fix some engines this morning. He said, what's the good thing about talking about revival and hunger if the moment I pour it out, people can't steward it because their engine is, not, is, is faulty? And so this morning, I was like, okay, Lord, I, what do you want me to talk about? And he showed me, he, like, do you ever remember when you were first saved? When you first met the Lord? Okay, like, we've all seen the new convert. You know, maybe, maybe they're an 18-year-old kid, but they're coming. He's, he, he's coming to the women's elderly prayer meeting. Okay, he's coming to the, to the, to the breakfast for the single elderly ladies because he just wants to be with the Lord. He's so hungry. He doesn't care. He's desperate. I have never met a lukewarm new convert. I have never met a lukewarm baby Christian who just encountered the Lord. Do you know why? Because it's real. He has just encountered them. And somewhere along the way from then till now, we like, because let's just be honest. Some of us ain't where we were when we first met the eyes of love. Amen? Amen? We're not there. Something happens. Something happens along the way where we become disconnected from that reality. And the Lord says, I want you to return to first love. Some of us need to come back to the love that we knew at first. We need to fix our engines. And I was like, Lord, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? Why are people disconnected from that reality? Why is hunger not present? Because here's the truth about hunger. The, we don't need to fix hunger by making you hungry. You're already hungry. We've just become hungry for other things. You have a hole in your, in your heart. I believe this. You have a need that the Lord has put in there that is perfectly shaped that he can fill. And we become disconnected. We start to fill ourselves up with other things. Amen? Open with me to, um, let's go to Exodus. Yeah, let's go to Exodus 16. They might have it up on the, on the, on the, on the screen. Exodus 16. And I asked the Lord, why is, this, why is this the case? Why are people disconnected from this hunger, from the first love? And he brought me to this scripture. This is the children of Israel. They have just been taken out of Egypt. They just crossed the Red Sea. It has been a month and a half, a month and a half since they literally saw waters part. Pharaoh like gets drowned in water, all that crazy stuff, pillar of fire, cloud, everything, a month and a half. They find themselves, and it says, they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Been there, done that. Which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed the land of Egypt, so it's been a month and a half, they are approaching Mount Sinai. They are approaching the, amount, the, the mount of the Lord. Okay? This is where they find Then the whole congregation of Israel, the children of Israel, complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. Wow. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They were hungry. The problem is they were also disappointed. And when I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is the reason why people are disconnected from this first love? And he said to me, he says, oftentimes on their way from their journey out of Egypt, out of the old man, out of your sin, on the way to the Mount of the Lord, to Mount Sinai, that journey, something happens. That something is called disappointment. And oftentimes when we go through, and listen, you have to understand, I'm not a good preacher. <laughs> I said this a couple of days ago. I don't have great one-liners like Pastor Marcus. I just don't. I don't have deep revelation like Pastor Gio. I have my life bared out before you, so you have to take it. Okay, and pretty much any message that I ever bring to you is one that I am currently living or have lived. Okay, and this is one that I can be honest with you and say that I have been there, done that, bought the check, got the t-shirt, Okay disappointment is going to happen to you. It's just going to happen, especially when you're going after the more of the Lord. Disappointment is just intermingled with that thing. Look at almost any person in the Bible, like disappointment is a part of their life. Why? Because we're going after more. And oftentimes when we're going after more, you have naysayers. You have people coming against you. You have expectations that didn't happen like you wanted them to. You have family members that you were praying for that died. You have people that you wanted to get saved and they never happened. You, all the financial trouble, like it's going to happen. Disappointment will creep in. And what the Lord wants us to do today is know how to adequately steward this thing right here for when disappointment happens. Because if we don't steward this well, if we can't adequately like search out and look like, okay, when this disappointment is on my heart, now what do I do? If we don't navigate that, it can lead us to a place that we literally crave slavery and bondage rather than freedom. Slavery, when you think about it, we think about the Israelites, like why would they ever want to go back to Egypt? To Egypt, to pots of meat, like pots of rotting meat and onions and potatoes. Like, why would they ever want to go back to days of slavery? Because there's something about slavery. There's something about captivity and sin. It's predictable. It's safe. You know what it is. In my life, I've struggled with disappointment. About three years ago, three or, two or three years ago, um, one of my really, really good friends was really sick. He, not a sick, he, had, he had back problems. He already had a back surgery. He had been to the hospital many times. He's only a couple of years older than I am. And, and he, he had been going to the church as long as I had, like for a very long time. The whole church knew about him. It was like our mission to pray for him. And if anybody's dealt with a chronic um, condition like that, you know you just get sick of going to the front for prayer. And one day the Lord had impressed upon me and I had prayed for him so many times, not seen anything, impressed upon me to go down and pray for my friend. So I got off the stage. I said, hey, man, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah, sure. And I pray for him. And what was incredible was at this time, for some reason, within three minutes, all of his pain was gone. He, has, he had crushed discs that were crushing and they're um, crushing his sciatic, going down his left leg, tingling in the feet, like numbness, extreme pain. If he doesn't get healed by the time he's in his 50s, like he, he probably will be, have a very hard time walking. Within three minutes, every symptom gone, completely healed. Like it was miraculous. I was boohoo crying. The whole church was crying. We were rejoicing. Like the faith in the room was tangible. And the Lord had been using me and Tiffany in a season for about a year and a half of healing. Like we would go into schools, see kids get healed, family members, people in the church. It was just Walmart. It was crazy. Like healing was breaking out. And so I felt like I had a duty to pray for him. And it happened. The Lord came through. It was amazing. Um, it was, I'll never forget that day was a day of chili cook-off. Anybody come from a chili cook-off church? There's some nasty chili out there, man. 
Stop making white bean chili. It's gross. We don't like it. Nasty. Don't at me, bro. All right. Um, I walk up to him. He's sitting down, and I'm like, hey. Like, still in disbelief, like, how does it feel? How's it? This is the first, this, was, this is the most incredible miracle I've ever seen in my life, hands down, because I had walked so closely with him. And you know, sometimes, pe- like, church people are the, it's the toughest ones to bring healing to. God will do it like that for somebody in Walmart, but I'm, I don't know the reason, but it just is. And so I ask him, how's it going? Man, it feels great. I'm just, I'm so thankful. Thank you for your obedience, whatever. And uh, Chilla Kukov ended some, I think my mom won, duh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I go home about 3.30 in the afternoon I get a text and he said, hey man, just be praying for me a lot of the pain is back I'm like, oh crap, like, okay I've been praying, like, just the enemy, we rebuke it, whatever by that night the pain was worse than it had started and within a week he was in the hospital and he was hospitalized for over a week and then he was like on bed rest sitting on the couch for a couple months his faith got really weak he was like doubting the Lord And little did I know, in that moment, disappointment had planted a seed in my heart. I had gone after something. The Lord had moved. For whatever reason, it was taken away. And disappointment took root in my heart. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was, imagine being the guy who prays for healing. It happens. And the next week, they're like, how's Ricky? Like, he's not doing good. It's embarrassing just is. And uh, it's, it, it, was a, it was a hard couple weeks. But like anything, um, time kind of goes on. Time heals all they say. It doesn't really. just kind of covers everything. And you kind of forget about it. I forgot about it. I kind of just internalized it. And what happened is I started, unbeknownst to me, turning to things that made me feel safe. Luckily, by the grace of God, it wasn't sinful. I started watching like debates between um, like atheists and Christians or uh, rabbis and pastors, whatever. I, I would just fill my time in my mind. I was doing a lot of barbecues. So it was a lot of late nights sitting up by the smoker, putting a log on every hour, just very boring. So I would fill my hours and hours and hours of this stuff. It would consume me. I felt safe. I felt like like held, I felt like protected. The problem is when you do this, you, you begin to lie to yourself that you are actually safe. The safety that the Israelites thought they were returning to, like disappointment has this weird thing of, of making you say lies and then believe lies. And what happens if they would have went back to Israel or to, to Egypt, the moment they entered, they would have been hit with truth. Come on, anybody? When I, was, when I was younger, struggling in addiction, the cravings would come up. And you would just like, I, 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 I have to give in to this craving. And, and the Lord will be okay. It's not a big deal. And as soon as you give in, shame hits you. Amen? Like, it just does. Because disappointment will cause you to lie to yourself. The Lord doesn't, uh, sorry, the devil doesn't need you to like go down a path of sin or kill you. All he has to do is get you disappointed and get you like, for lack of a better word, neutered in the church, just powerless because you're in bondage and slavery. I think there's so many people in the church right now who are in bondage and slavery because they have not navigated disappointment correctly in their life. And now they're just warming a seat. Disappointment will cause you to find safety in things that will actually enslave you. Um, Let's go over to Genesis 16. I don't want to take too long today because I want to have some time for the Lord just to minister to you at the end. But I want to hit, I want to talk about um, lies a little bit. All right, we're going 16, one through three. Now, Sarai, so this is context real quick. Um, This is Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai at this point. God's given him a promise of a son, um, and they're old. They haven't seen it yet. It's been decades. They've been trying, and the Lord has just not come through yet. Sarah was 
this was skeptical in the beginning. Also, skepticism is, is easy to, to conflate itself as wisdom sometimes. <laughs> um, I used to, because I, I, once again, from experience, skepticism is not wisdom. Skepticism is fear. It's fear of the unknown. And skepticism is also insecurity. Sarah thought, there's no way I can have a baby. It's because she didn't actually believe in who he was and who he called her to be. When the truth was spoken to her, she rejected it and, and laughed it off as skepticism because she didn't actually know her identity. It wasn't wisdom. All right, Six, 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. First lie. First lie. The Lord has not restrained you. The Lord has spoken faith to you. It's not the Lord. It's the fall. I, I, want, to be, I want to be careful how I, how I say this, but we've all lost people. Amen? Right now we're in the midst of a pandemic where people unfortunately, are, are, are falling ill, and some of them even going to be with the Lord. And we need to be really careful with the words we use, that it was their time or it was God's will. It says, God will that none should perish, but every should know his name. Like, just because someone gets sick or whatever, it doesn't mean God, permit, God, God, God intended for it to happen. Amen? Sometimes things happen in our life, and to justify it, because sometimes it's hard to just say, because when, when my mom got sick with breast cancer, I had to face this mountain. Okay, well, Lord, like my mom is the most gentle dove in the world. Why would this happen? And there's, there is a temptation to say, oh, it was God's will. He's trying to teach her something. So I can justify it in my mind or why he would allow this. And what I'm really doing is I'm sacrificing the goodness of God on the altar of my own understanding so that I can make sense, so I can sleep better at night, rather than saying, I don't have the ability to ask questions. The only mandate that I've been given is heal the sick, cleanse the leper, preach good news to the captive. I don't get to ask questions. Lord, you are good. I trust that you are good. I live in a fallen world. Things happen. I will walk out my, I'm not going to try to play the reasoning why you do stuff. That's not my job. I, I do that with my kids. That's my job as a parent. I am not the Lord's parent. <laughs> my kids don't need to know the reason why I tell, tell them not to walk in the road. They just need to listen because that road is dangerous. Okay. That was free. Anyways, sorry. That was the first slide. The Lord did not restrain her. Let's keep going. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain a child by her. And of course, Abram heeded her voice. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt in the land 10 years of Canaan. All right. So Abram sleeps with Hagar. They have Ishmael. Here's the problem. Let's go back to something. I've read over this for years, and the Lord showed me this a, a, a while ago. Re, listen to what Sarah says. Um, she says, go to my maid. Perhaps I shall, I shall obtain a child by her. How does that make any sense? Go have a child with another woman, and then it'll be my kid. No, it won't. It'll be her kid. Disappointment will cause us to say things that don't even make sense. Because we are so desperate to fill this void that we will actually turn to things and create Ishmaels in our life just to fill that void. And it, from the outside, from clear eyes, it literally makes no sense. I'm talking about disappointment and how we deal with it in our life. And some of us, like the Lord showed me this, that some of us have gone after the pursuit of the spiritual in our life to gain, like, to, just to get closer to the Lord. And sometimes it's hard to kind of measure that success. Amen. 
and we get frustrated and we're still not where we want to be. And I feel this sometimes that we will give up doing that and say, well, I can put the same amount of time I'm putting in my prayer life and show up early for work and I'll see success. I'll, I'll, I will gain in like in, in popularity with my boss if I put the effort I'm giving towards God to that and, or, or, or to sports or whatever. I can see the, 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 the fruit of that and disappointment from pursuing the Lord because it didn't look like you thought it would. You try to fill it by making an Ishmael with your job. Somebody told me when people are quiet, it's because they're chewing. I hope that's true. And I think we have to be careful. We have to be really careful what happens when disappointment enters our hearts. That we don't make Ishmael's out of it in our life. And we don't go back to slavery and bondage. You see, what happened with me was after I started watching these videos and stuff, I, was, I felt completely fine. I didn't really think about that experience with my friend. I, was, I felt great. And then one day, one day it, it hit me. I thought, and I, the way I described it to Pastor Gio one time, it's like I thought a thought that I couldn't unthink. And the thought that I thought was, is the Lord really real? I'd been watching all this stuff, you know, and some of this stuff started to kind of like make sense to my mind, lies. I wasn't thinking clearly. I had approached the question with disappointment instead of approaching with the Lord. You see, questions aren't bad. I, 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 I can't stand a church that says, you don't need to ask questions. Like, do, well, just have faith. Just don't worry about it. Just have faith. No, questions aren't bad. The, the way you approach the question is different. The Lord told me. So what happened was I thought that thought and I couldn't unthink it. And, and for lack of a better term, it's like I literally lost my virginity in that moment. Like, it was just something that I could never get back. It's like I was here now in this place of doubt. And doubt flooded my mind. I was consumed with like, holy cow, like, what is happening? <laughs> this is my job. I'm a pastor. Like, and I'm thinking that this is probably not, all re is not real and all this stuff. I was consumed. And if you've ever been in kind of like a mental like depression or anxiety or, or in my case, doubt, that mental battle is, is, is unlike anything else because hardly anybody can really understand. And eventually it reaches the place of torment in your life. Because what happened with me, thank God, that I grew up in a context where I actually had seen the hand of God move. And this is also a time where a lot of people were leaving the church, you know, big name People from different churches were saying that that's not real, all this sort of stuff. And for me, every time I would be tempted, the one thing that would really ground me, I'm going to be honest, I was telling my, my parents this the other day, it wasn't doctrine, it wasn't good teaching, it wasn't whatever, it was literally the miracles that I had seen in my life. It was things where I was like, I don't know if God's real, but that time my finances, like just like it was, it had, I can't explain that. And for some of us, that's why I feel like the church is under attack and why the enemy has so attacked the gifts and the gifts of healing is because he knows if he can remove, like the Lord says, I do these things so that you will believe. And if he can take the things out, all you have is doctrine sometimes and an experience, like a heady, lofty experience. And sometimes when you're in the pit like that, that stuff won't work anymore. Like that heady, sometimes you need to say, I saw a hand grow back. My wife in Africa, I saw blind eyes open before me. They were cloudy. Now they're not. And some, I'm just telling you, God forbid, if you ever get into a place in your life, sometimes those will be the only things. I, I told the Lord, I, I think I told Gio, close to the Lord, no. I, I, told, I told him, I said, bro, I'm like Thomas. I needed to see the holes in his hands. I just was. I, I needed extra grace because I'm weak. And I needed to see the holes in his hands. I needed something that I could touch. And in that season of my life, that was the only thing that held me. And, and so I'm swirling, I'm swirling. And I'm like, just completely, I'm, I'm getting convinced that this is, may not be a real and whatever. And I'm talking to my wife and God bless her. She, uh, well, it, it, was, it was hard on her. Like, because that's another thing. I never told her. I never talked to her. 
And there's three things I want to give you this morning that are going to help you deal with disappointment in your life. The first thing is be open with people. Gio just said it. James 5 says, confess your sins. And I actually believe that he's talking about confess your life. Be an open book to one another so that healing will come. You know the reason why there's so many people dropping out of church is because they are the gazelle that is separated from the pack. When you're separated, it's really easy for the lions to come and get you. But when you're surrounded in community, in unity, it's harder, way harder for the enemy to come and get you. Why? Because when a fence rises up in your heart, you can quickly go and say, hey, can we just talk real quick? Like, I just need to talk to you about this. It happened. Like, I'm in humility, whatever. And it can be squashed. And, the, and, the, and healing can happen. Confess to one another so healing may come. But when you're disconnected from everybody, you don't go to them. And so offense comes. Disappointment comes. And you can't adequately insert your, you can't insert yourself into the herd because you have disconnected yourself. And now you are just live bait for, these, for the enemy to consume you. I didn't do it. When it happened, I was so full of shame. I was so full of shame and like how I'm a pastor. And like at our church, we were like pushing for revival and people looked to us to do that. And how can I be saying that I'm struggling with doubt and even knowing that the Lord is real and I'm doing all this stuff. And so I was full of shame. So I opened up to no one. I kept it inside. And what it allowed it to do was fester like poison in my heart. And it wasn't until one day, like, you need to surround yourself with godly friends. My friend, Lene, God bless her. I'm forever grateful for her and her life. She was sitting in our living room, in our kitchen, actually, and she looked at us. She's like, are you guys okay? And Tiffany's like, yeah, I'm great. And she looked at me, Tyler. I said, I'm terrible. And Tiffany's like, what? Because I hadn't really talked to her about it. And I just spilled everything. I spilled everything. And at that moment, that's when healing came. That's when healing started to come to me. In order to deal with this appointment, you have to be connected to other people. You can't do this on your own. A three-course strand is not easily broken. Like, it is the will of the Lord for this to be done in community. It just is. I'm sorry, like, I don't... I struggle with like online church and stuff like that. I know during COVID it's necessary. But like, for the, you just need to be in community. You need to be with people who you open your life unto and you are very vulnerable with. There's nothing that I keep from Gio. Like, he will tell you. He probably gets annoyed sometimes by how open and honest I am. We're vulnerable with him. Like, man, this guy's got a lot of issues. Um, but I have learned, because I wasn't usually like that. But coming so close to spiritual death, I'm like, I, there's no other way. There's no other way. I will always live so open that it's probably wrong how open I am. Like, I will always default to that because it literally saved my life. After that moment, I began, to, I, I began to be very open with everybody. I began to tell everybody. And there's something about when light enters the darkness of your heart that it just makes the battle a little easier. Let's be honest. Like, that's how I got over uh, lust in my life as an early, when I was a young guy, is like, I just started to tell everybody when it was appropriate. I just told a lot of people, hey, I'm struggling. Can you be praying for me? I'm struggling. And what happens is when a lot of people know, it's just magically easier. I'm just telling you, it's, it's just somehow easy. If you're struggling with sin in your life, start to tell people. Confess your sins to one another so that healing may come. It's a truth. It's something you can literally stake your life on. The second thing is to be honest with the Lord. I wasn't honest with him. I just really wasn't. And I'm talking about when it first happened, when disappointment first came to me. I didn't really pray. I didn't talk to him about why it made me feel a certain way. Because I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed from him. I thought it was my fault. I thought something I was doing was the reason that he didn't get fully healed. And so I hid from the Lord. I wasn't honest. I look at David in the Psalms about how he would pour his heart out to the Lord and just be completely vulnerable. Like, here's the thing. He already knows anyways. He's asking you to voice it, to make it a reality, so that then he can actually change it. Yeah. Think, the prodigal son is coming home. I love this part of the story. He's running. The father gets up, runs to him. And the son, 
the son comes and says, dad, if I could just be a slave in your house, a servant, he is pouring his heart out to the father. And what does the father say? He doesn't even address the lies. He doesn't address the lies. What happens a lot of times when we, we are available to open our hearts and speak to God what we're really feeling, the lies will go up, they will hit truth, and then truth will come down. He says, he doesn't even say no. He says, Dad, let me be a servant. Let me be a slave. He says, bring the ring. Bring the cloak. Bring the sandals. He is a son. He is established. But if the son would have never come back, if he would have never addressed the lies in his heart, healing would have never come. Like if I would have opened my heart up to the Lord early on, I fully believe this. I would have not walked back to Egypt. I just wouldn't have. And so some, when disappointment comes, you need to be very honest with the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. What are you saying about me? What is happening to my heart? It's going to come. And I love the friends. You need to surround yourself with people, but oftentimes the only one who can speak truth is the Father. He should be the one we're running to and asking, Lord, this is the most inner parts of my heart. What are you saying? If the engine's not right, the works aren't going to come. It's just not. The last thing that the Lord showed me for like the three keys, so be honest with people, be honest with the Lord, and it's be humble and thankful. Be humble and thankful. Paul says, I have learned to be content in all things. When he was in prison, it's got to be disappointing. When he was doing great in his ministry, it's staying level. It's staying steady. This is something that like doesn't need to happen. Here's the thing. Sometimes we try to be humble and thankful when the bad stuff happens. This is something that needs to be a staple of our life. Humility. Blessed are those who are humble. If I, the Lord showed me this when, when we first came here, this kind of like revelation about, you know, in Psalms talking about entering into his gates with thankfulness, his courts with praise. It's like, Lord, why thankfulness? Like, I like it, but just Why? He said, thankfulness is the most selfless act a person can commit. The most selfless act, because it recognizes your own inability. It recognizes you couldn't do it, and that he did everything, and it produces a heart of thankfulness. And it so what happens is the view comes off of you and onto him. And I believe if we can truly steward this well, that a lot of disappointment, those fiery darts of the enemy, will literally just be blocked by a shield of humility. How can you get disappointed if he, he owes you nothing? He owes me nothing. Like, I have given my life to him. My name is written in the, Lamb books, the Lamb's book of life. Anything else is a bonus. And if I suffer, this is something that my wife and I have been talking about, kind of in jest, but seriously, during this fast, is blessed are those who suffer with Christ. Gosh, we don't talk about that in the church. Blessed are those who suffer because we become more like him. Like, I want to suffer in this life so that I can become closer to Christ. Because he owes me nothing. He's given me, if, he's done, if he does nothing else in my life for the rest of my life, I will be okay. He's given me enough. If I can produce and cultivate a heart of humility, of thankfulness, then disappointment cannot find a hold in my heart. Come on. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to pour out revival. It's on the back wall, like blessing and just like his presence. But he's looking for a people who can steward it well. Because one thing I know about the Lord, he will not give you something that's going to crush you. He's just not. He's a good father. And he will, he has withheld things from me because I could not steward them at the time. And he loves me enough to withhold blessings. Look at anybody who's ever won the lottery. Nine, I did a study. 99% of the time ends in bankruptcy. It's because the problem was never a lack of money. The problem was a heart issue. They couldn't steward what was given. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, like, will you be able to steward what I give? 
And before I give it, some things have to be fixed in your heart. Amen. It's important. Can we stand and you guys can come back and play something? I want to do um, I want to do a thing real quick as they get started. When I when I was going through that battle and maybe I'll tell you the rest of the story because how the Lord delivered me was is amazing. Literally a showdown between the Lord and the devil it was great. Um, one of the things that I felt the most, like I said earlier, was shame, just shame and like rejection. Like I couldn't talk to people like I couldn't talk to the Lord. And I just feel the Lord wants to break off shame in this room this morning. There's people in here and you've carried shame about something. Maybe it's even been something you've done. It's completely your fault. And the Lord is saying, come back to me, son. Come back to me, daughter. You're not a slave. I want to put a ring. I want to reestablish your position. I want to put a cloak. I literally want to clothe you and hide your nakedness. I want to put sandals that from this moment, you can literally walk out your identity. He's wanting to pull off shame of people. Amen? And so, yeah, I want us just to close our eyes right now. Sometimes, I've, I've, I've realized this in my life too, we can lie to ourselves. And we can lie to ourselves for so long that we really, we really believe it. And maybe you have been dealing with shame and the moment I start talking about this, you're like, no, that's not me. But I just want everyone to ask themselves, ask actually the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal if there is shame in my heart, if there is disappointment in my heart that I need to deal with, that is holding me back, that has caused me to drift away from first love. So just begin to ask him that right now. Holy Spirit, speak right now. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, speak. that's you if, you, if you feel like you've been struggling with shame or you've been struggling with something where you just can't bring it to the light, if you would just raise your hand, I want our prophetic company just to come around and pray with you. If that's you, come on right now. There's literally freedom. You don't have to live in Egypt right now. There's freedom. Prophetic company, you're free to go and to minister right now. Just go and move. We're going to go. We're going to do one more thing before we're done, but I want to make sure we hit everybody. Really quick, I want shame to be broken off this place right now. Shame is like literally chains that will hold you down to keep you from coming to the light. So just begin to pray and prophesy over them right now. In Jesus' name, shame be broken this morning. Come on, church. If you're praying for them, come to agreement. Shame be broken. In Jesus' name, come. Come back to the light, son, daughter. Come back to the light. Nothing you have done negates the love of the Father. Come back to the light. In Jesus' name, restore Holy Spirit. more moments for the Holy Spirit to work and I feel it's imperative for you who are struggling with it even if you didn't raise your hand if you're just standing there for you to actually voice it you don't have to tell anybody around you but voice it say I've been struggling with this and I surrender this to the Lord right now release it with your mouth love you, Jesus. Yeah.
Yeah, I was specifically when I want to pray for anybody who's been struggling with disappointment. Who's been struggling with disappointment. It could come from anything. It could come from family, your job, the Lord, church, whatever. I want to, if you've been, if you've got disappointed and you feel like it has backtracked or maybe you feel like you're not qualified now or you're just not where you were, you're not, you know you're not where the Lord is like, wants you to be on your path to the mountain of the Lord. I feel there's a grace this morning, like it's crazy how much this service has been about the healing of the heart. The Lord is speaking right now. If you have disappointment in your heart, I want you to just, uh, I want you to, I want you to put your hand on your heart and I want you to do something. I want Destiny to sing and I want you to do something that the Lord gave me this week. Because disappointment oftentimes is the opposite. It fights against the Lord's faithfulness. And I want you to remind yourself of seasons of when the Lord has been faithful to you. And I believe that as you actually minister unto yourself, the Lord, you will, your, your heart will be healed and that you remember the Lord's faithfulness. Like in the Old Testament, when they would build a well or a monument, there would be, or Deuteronomy says to say it again, it's remembering the Lord's faithfulness and that his plans for you. And I want you to release that disappointment. So just remind yourself right now of all the times the Lord has been faithful to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness in our life. just pull down we just pull down every false identity every false identity and every stronghold what is this? a stronghold is a bad pattern of thinking that has embedded itself and for many of you the Lord wants to heal that there are bad patterns of thinking that have rooted themselves and you see them as truth but they're rooted in a lie and so, Father, right now we cast down, the Bible says that we pull down strongholds. And Lord, we allow you to establish new identity. There are some of you, you've even struggled with engaging in your purpose with the Lord because you believe lies about yourself. And the Lord is wanting to bring healing to that right now. Father, would you restore the heart? The same way the prodigal was restored when he came before the Father, would you restore? 
when I see it so clear, some of you, the Father is trying to clothe you and put a ring on your finger and sandals and he just won't take it. And you have to allow the Lord to clothe you. This is metaphorical, meaning you have to allow yourself to receive what God is trying to give you. And stop thinking you're not worthy. Would you restore, Lord? Would you begin to identify the lies and hearts so that we can be a pure container that can be filled with you? We say yes, Lord. We say yes. Lord, I ask that this would be more than just a moment but that you would give us the grace to carry this out. Lord, when discouragement and disappointment comes that we can rightly navigate and steward our hearts into wholeness. Oh, your grace is sufficient. I thank you for healing that's coming to your body. It's here, it's available. And Father, I ask that you seal everything that you've done today. That no seed would be taken or drowned it out, choked by the cares of life. Thank you, Father, for your love and your grace and your mercy. And that you are the pursuer. I hope everyone in this building realizes today, he is the pursuer. We are the respondee. He is the pursuer. Thank you, Lord. I ask that you keep us, Lord, on these next 14 days as we fast. And I ask that you continue to heal and give us revelation and take us deeper into your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Tyler? I don't know. I don't know if you guys realize how rare it is for someone to come on a stage like this and just pour out their heart like that. It's not common. So thank you, bro, for doing that. And I hope you guys all receive. There are keys that were given to you today. Like, hey, find someone to do life with and be honest with the Lord. Just those two things, just this week. Be honest with the Lord. Be honest with someone and watch how freedom comes to you. It's not gonna happen by happenstance. That's gonna take us walking this out, amen? Amen. Hey, listen.